The Adam Crowley Show. You know, I'm out on the sideline begging for the ball or making statements like you guys make. I'm pissed off. We're losing. We but you just tied the game. James Conner just tied the game. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Extraordinary. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter, at FBomber73 and at ButtonPusher970. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. The weird guy, Andrew, who keeps inviting us to his cabin, which sounds like a way that we all get murdered, after we declined his invitation, he said, "Ite." One word with a period. That is dangerous. That is terrifying. Really sketchy. If he said, okay, without the period, I'm okay with it. If he sent me just K with a period, that's what my wife says whenever she's pissed at me. But Ite with the period? This guy's going to come to the studio and chop us up with the axe instead of chopping us up with the axe. At his campground. Brian locked the door. Joining us now, not to discuss any of that, but to talk some puck is our buddy Colby Armstrong. He'll be joining us every Wednesday at 5 o'clock throughout Penguin season. What's up, Colby? How you doing, man? Hey, boys. What's going on? I, I got a, I got, speaking of an invite to a cabin, I got a, a crazy, I'm not, I can't read it on the air because it's just nuts. A guy I met sent me the, <laughs> most sad, you know what, invite to a party, and I've never really hung out with him. I've only met him at Penguins games a few times, and it is it is awesome. It's an awesome invite. It's awesome, but I don't think I'm going to get chopped with an axe. But it's gonna it would be just the craziest sounding party ever. I'll leave it at that. Colby, you want to come to one of our parties? We barely know each other. You want to do that? Yeah, hell yeah! I'm going behind the glass with shirtless Tom. <laughs> Colby Armstrong joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Colby, are we seeing a lot of the same bad habits in the Penguins game that we saw last season? I just think right now in the first few games here, we're seeing a team that possibly thinks that they can play any way they want right now, uh, and they can score goals. They got away with it again against Washington. I think we have a, a, a deep team. I think uh, a team that's pretty versatile. I like the way they look. I think they obviously need to get their noses a little more dirty, uh, playing a little bit too much camp hockey, is what I would say, mm. camp scrimmage-style hockey uh, and not regular season hockey just yet. So we'll see if this week of practices could wake them up, and uh, obviously missing Matt Murray will put a sense of urgency in them. Yeah, no doubt about that. And to that point, is it a little bit easier maybe to tighten things up knowing, okay, Casey DeSmith will be in there or whomever's in there. All right, we got to really do our best in front of this guy now. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's like a twofold wake up call for me, boys. Like I, I look at it and I'm like, okay, you know, not, not the start we wanted, not terrible though with our record. Okay. We're okay. Um, not the play we want to have our, our number one goaltender has been a little rusty too out of the gates. He could be better. Okay, he gets injured. Does he have a chance to regroup? Yes. And can Casey DeSmith, is he more than capable of coming in? Yes. But do we need to tighten up uh, with him in there and give him an opportunity and wake ourselves up here with our team play? Yes. So it's, uh, it's a, lot of, a lot of things on it, but it's early in the year, and I think we see a lot of teams. What's, the, what's going on in the league right now, too? There's like, 
there's like 12 goals a night in every single game. It's absolutely haywire right now in the NHL. But uh, I think a lot of teams are looking around going, okay, like when's this going to end? When are we going to tighten up? At least a lot of coaches anyways. I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm loving it too. And I think you hit the nail right on the head there, Colby, where we all might love it, but the coaches don't, and they can't really. And Mike Sullivan needs to try to nip these things in the bud before they become huge problems, right? So he sits Ole down. I think it's more... A message being sent than anything else. I don't think Ole's been the the one guy that you circle and say, oh, he's stunk. But I think just getting someone out of the lineup and putting somebody else new in the lineup, that might be another boost there for Mike Sullivan. Yeah, absolutely. It's a wake-up call for his team, and Ole's the guy that's going to pay the price for it right now. I, You know what? Ole's playing with a guy that's new to the team as well, and Jack Johnson through the first few games. Yeah. Uh, that's got to be tough as well. Um, you know, and, and the team is inside their play and in inside certain situations of the game. I don't think everyone's been that sharp, and I think some people have a right to go, well, you can't just pick on Ole, but I think Ole's a message to the rest of the team as a veteran guy that's been around. Uh, and also, I want to see Ricola, so who do you take yeah. out? I mean, who's it going to be? And I think you've got to get a look at this guy right now for maybe 10 games or so, at least get a real good look. Can he stay and play in the NHL? Because through camp and preseason, he looked like he could be a difference maker. And a guy that can come in, skate, play physical too. I like his physical edge. Uh, and a guy that can make plays offensively and defensively. So you got to get a look at him, and then that kid leaves a lot of questions. What's the team going to go do down the road with some contracts and some guys? Does he make someone in, uh, someone disposable because of the way he can play and what his price tag is? Is there anybody now, Colby, that you have looked at and said, man, this guy really is getting slow out of the gate? It's only been two games, but has there been anyone that has stuck out to you negatively in that fashion? No, I don't think. I think it's just the way they've been playing right yeah. now. I think I don't think Ole's always been a fleet of foot guy, but he make up, makes up for it with his hockey smarts and the way he can play uh, and, and the way he uses uses his uh, – you know, his teammates to get out of trouble a little bit. We've seen him get into trouble in some foot races uh, and take some angles with, with lacking a little bit of foot speed. But, you know, uh, other than that, I, I just think it's the way they're playing. I think it's just a sense of urgency. I think it's early in the season. Uh, and I think that it just needs to be a little bit more nose-to-the-grindstone type of hockey here. Yeah, we have a lot of skill and depth. And, okay, it's nice to toe-drag and, and score tic-tac-toe goals. But that's not going to win in the regular season game in and game out. There needs to be way more of a sense of urgency within your style of play. And early, it's just really not there for the team. But uh, are they capable? Heck yeah. How hard is it to get back into the swing of things when you get from camp to the regular season? Yeah, it's tough. And I think expectations are high here also. I think they know they have a good window and a good team and depth, like I said. And, you know, the horses to, to really, you know, have a season this year and a season that, you know, they can win it again. So when you have expectations like that and you have guys returning and guys, um, you know, slotting into their positions throughout their lineup and you're thinking, man, we're deep, we're going to be really good. You know, when you come into the season like that attitude, it's a little bit tough when you're, you know, coming against a Washington team who, you know, with huge expectations and winning last year and everyone's going, they're not going to do anything because they were doing keg stands on the Stanley Cup all summer. Uh, that's one thing. But when you play a uh, Montreal Canadiens team, that has you know literal little to no star power besides their goaltender Carey Price and a team that's going to come skate the underdogs. Those teams are a little tough to get up to. I think it's mental, really. It's mental and it, more than anything, and just committing mentally to playing the right way for these guys right now. Early in the year, it is tough. It's tough to come out of camp and then just jump right into a regular season and, and get going. And uh, 
I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now. What would light your ass on fire back in the day? If you ever needed it, if you ever needed that extra motivation, what works with, with the guys? Yeah, I think every coach has their tactics, and I think coaches have a lot to do with it. Uh, I think, obviously, your leadership group would help having guys like Crosby around to, uh, you know, set tones in practice with his work ethic and maybe having those eyebrows down a little bit on a couple days and going, oh, no, the big guy's a little upset today or not happy. So, I, I, you know what, I, I think it's uh, I think it can be said a few different ways uh, for me, and it, and it sucked for me because I always responded to it, was getting yelled at or getting, uh, you know, chirped by a coach, or getting, uh, I was like, you know, I was like a dog in a cage if you poked him with sticks enough that he was going to come out fighting. That was kind of how I responded, and unfortunately it, it, it paid its toll on me mentally as I took a lot of abuse over my career, but it seemed to work for me. And, uh, some guys are different. Everyone's different that way, but I, I, I just think, you know, I just think, like, individually every guy's different, and individually go, oh, yeah, you're a pro, you got to show up, yeah, okay. Um, but at the same time, I just think this team just needs a little tightening right now early in the season, that's all. We'll get back to the current-day Penguins in one moment, but I remember when the Penguins traded for Hal Gill, the video that they kept showing was you fighting Hal Gill. What the hell got in here? <laughs> Were you getting poked in the cage that day? <laughs> yeah, that's when I was reckless abandoned like a cage dog. Yeah, that's that's in those days when I was running around. Uh, I, I, actually, I actually he came to hit me and stepped up, and I didn't see him last second. And I elbowed him in the head, so he took. Uh, he didn't. He didn't like that. He was upset and came after me. He, if you watch the whole thing, he was ragdolling me like crazy, throwing me around like a <laughs> like a little kid. And then uh, Gino Malkin, Malkin comes in to like try to save me and gives him like a push. And then Gino's like, "Yeah, he's too big. I'm out of here." And then I got stuck having to drop my gloves with him. And thank God we both fell down right away because Hal's a big man. I know him now. Great guy. Awesome guy. Loves his beer. Good hockey guy. How much did Malkin try to get into that kind of stuff? I mean, he he does seem a lot more uh, chippy out there than some others. Oh, yeah, totally. He's, he's a fireball out there. I love, for me now, retired here watching the Penguins, I love watching Malkin every night. I'm so lucky to watch him. Uh, a guy with skill, a guy with speed, a guy with power, and a guy with a ton of fire. And I love seeing that. I love when Gino gets gets a little angry out there. I love when he's on that edge and he's, he's a snap show and he's mad and he's involved, and he's like a little reckless, too. And you know, all the talk about Gino all through the years is like, oh, you know, Gino will have one injury every certain year. Like, yeah, like, look at the way he goes through, guys. Look at the way he plays. Like, for a star player in this league, like, the kind of uh, weight that he carries himself with out on the ice and the fire that he has getting himself involved in a lot of situations, the big Russian bear, I, I, love, I love watching him when he's like that. He's going to take some penalties, but, man, when I played against Gino, too, I knew if he just poked him enough, that he was gonna he was gonna lose it too. So he he, he has a, he has a fuse that you can kind of uh, you can shorten up a little bit with a few a little bit of stick work and some chirps. He's really been the mouthpiece for the team the last couple of years. I, I don't recall him ever really being the guy who'd speak out publicly before. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, was he that guy in in the locker room? Then would he be the guy to say, "Come on, boys, let's get this together here." No, I, I love. I, yeah, you're right. I love his openness. I love like his comments in the paper and the media. Um, you know, he knows he's. The, I, I think he knows he's like all world player for sure. I think he knows what he can do on the ice and what he can be. And saying he wants to be an elite player in this league for another five years, uh, and knowing what he can bring to the table. And you know, when I played with him, I sat with him next in the dressing room, and he didn't speak English back then, or at least he led us to believe he didn't speak it very well. But. Um, <laughs> I always used to teach him too in the room. I'd point at myself and I'd say, "Legend, legend," 
And I'm sure if I did that now, he would laugh and walk away from me shaking his head. But, uh, yeah, he's like a real leader on this team. He does interviews now. You can see him. He's way more open, way more vocal. Um, and over the years, as he's more comfortable, uh, and he's, he's uh, you know, for me, uh, hearing his sound bites, watching him play every night, um, how lucky are we to have him in this city as a player for this many years. You know the voice, Colby Armstrong, joining us here on the Crowley Show. Last couple of things uh, for Colby. Uh, this one not as fun. Matt Murray goes down with a concussion, and I, mean, I don't really have anything to say other than I, I just I feel terrible for the guy. The way last year went for him, now only two games into this year, and he goes down with a concussion. I mean, that's got to be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it is. And, and for whatever reason, a lot of goalies are suffering concussions. I don't yeah. know if these guys are shooting harder or going to the net. But I, I, I don't know exact number, but I think he's had three documented concussions now in the last year of hockey, yeah. a bit of hockey. So it's it's something that's, you know, bordering on the on the side of, you know, serious. And I know the Penguins take precautions very well with it, obviously due to their past um, with Sydney around. Um, and obviously with, like, what we know about it now. But in a situation where I think with uh, – with Matt losing him like this again, exactly. I just feel bad for him because I'm like, I'm like, oh man, like you know, he had last year. He came in like he seemed, he seemed like refreshed and confident to have a fresh start hockey wise and feeling good. And then right out of the gates like this, another setback with it with a concussion. And the scary thing about concussions for me is like you never know. You never know how long right. symptoms will last or how long you're going to be like that. It's kind of a weeding game. So uh, you know, the best goes out there and then recovering from. You know, traumatic brain injury. It's 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 tough and it's a serious thing. And um, a guy that you hope hope uh, will bounce back, obviously, and have a season that he's hoping for this year. That's Colby Armstrong, who in this interview said, "How Gill drinks beer, good hockey guy." I think this will work. <laughs> uh, Colby, appreciate the time, man. Thanks as always. All right, boys. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. That's Colby Armstrong. Uh, he does a lot of stuff for. AT&T Sports Network for pregame. He does intermission stuff. He does pre- and post-game stuff for the Penguins Radio Network right down the hall. Uh, we're going to love doing that segment with him. And you just know some schlub who's covered a hockey game like three times in his career met Colby Armstrong and thought, oh, talk to him twice. I'm going to invite him to a party. It's probably a swinger party. You know those commercials they got going on now with the slinging? It's like that, but there's really some romp sex stuff going down. And Colby's like, nah, thanks. I'll have a couple cold ones. I'll kick back. I wonder if this Andrew guy bumped into him and invited him. Coming up next, I'm going to rip Bill Simmons a new bleep. And I'll tell you why Sullivan was right to send the message he did. It's a Crowley show. The Adam Crowley Show. What is that? It's... There's some still. Oh, there's some still stuck to my mouth. Get rid of it. I can't. It's awful. Okay. Uh, sweet. Uh, I heard a little bit of Harry Carey. Uh, uh, Adam Crowley uh, on ESPN Pittsburgh. All right. Soak this one in. Because usually the fire that I come with in these next two minutes only comes when I'm doing the hottest take of the day. But this jackhole Bill Simmons, you all know who Bill Simmons is. Super fan of the Boston Red Sox. Super fan of the Celtics. Super fan of the Patriots. 
He tweeted out that his demons came down from the attic last night from his childhood. And they sat next to him on the couch while he watched the the Red Sox beat the Yankees in the playoffs. And you know what, Bill Simmons? Shut the hell up, punk. You may have had a bitch of a childhood rooting for the Red Sox, but they won in 2004, 2007, 2013. The Patriots have won five times. The Celtics won in 81, 84, 86, and 2008. There's no woe-is-me Boston fans. Uh, shut the hell up, punk. There's been no suffering. Want to talk about suffering? How about Pirates fans? How about Pitt football fans? How about West Virginia football fans? Eat a fat one, Boston. I know we got the Steelers and the Penguins, but... Oh, my ghosts of my childhood were there because we always got anally bleeped by the Yankees. I'm so sad. Look at me. I'm a Red Sox fan. You're not the lovable freaking losers anymore. And neither are Cubs fans. I'm tired of Boston people acting as if you can still get credit for the curse. You can't. It's broken. It's gone. It's dead. Keep those ghosts up in the attic with all your skeletons. Dink. Anything to add, Tom? Nailed it. Oh, it's such a tough job being a sports fan of the New England Patriots. It's so hard being a Red Sox fan. It's Celtic. It's the most successful sports city we've got in the damn country. Yeah, try being one of the a fan of one of the teams that you've rolled over repetitively. I'm an Oriole fan. Ugh. Damn it. I, the Red Sox suck. I should be crying. I'm not crying. Like Bill Simmons. Man, that's the problem with sports fans. They get a little bit, they get a little bit, they get a little bit, and they hang out, and then they think they need it every year. And if two, three years go by, and they're not getting it, then, oh my God, I'm suffering. No, you're not. Shut up. If you are my age, you've seen Boston win nine championships. Huh. I mean, get the hell out of here, Bill Simmons. Got this tweet from Andrew, the weird guy who wants us to drink with him in the woods. I'm sure he's a very nice man who's going to murder us with an axe. He said, I'll buy you a case of that nasty beer you like if you join my once-in-a-lifetime party in the woods. Once-in-a-lifetime, Because yeah, once huh? it's the last time we'll ever be alive. Exactly. <laughs> Bad description there, man. So let me get this straight. The guy who's inviting us to his cabin is going to supply the liquid that we're going to drink to? Yeah, that's safe. No, I don't, don't like that. Once-in-a-lifetime party. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's how we'll do it. I've got family members who are what? cops. No, no, no. no, 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 no. I got family members who are cops, okay? Yeah. Me too. Is this about you right now, oh, Thumb, okay, or is sorry. this me talking about myself? Thank you. <laughs> I've got family members who are cops. We will go to the woods with the cops. Yes. We will we will buy alcohol that he has paid for by Venmoing me. <laughs> <laughs> we will be heavily armed. Now hopefully we don't have to use any of these weapons, but I would like to. I would like to hang out with the listeners a little bit. Maybe we can get a lot of listeners to go as long as there's security provided. Well, he just invited you. You can't now like take a bunch of people to his cabin. This is not your cabin. Look, I, I have all the cards here. I, I can. I can. You, I can you, negotiate how I want to. You really can't, because he'll get you one way or the other. And the thing serial killers love is a lot more victims. Oh, so shoot. if you bring more people, that'll just fuel the fire, man. Hey guys, try my punch. Yeah. Wow, how come I 
How come I'm awake but I can't move? What's going on? Are you a Waco and can't move? What's 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 with the chainsaw? Stop. Oh wait, I can't talk. Yeah, I'm sorry, Andrew. You seem like a delightful guy, but we can't take the risk. I yeah. like my face being attached to I, the muscle. Yeah, Andrew. I mean, I'm sure you are a good guy, and we do appreciate the offer and everything. But frankly, I think you should understand that in this day and age, we got to be safe. Mm-hmm. It's reality. Yeah. I mean, it is 2018. People are getting murdered all over the place. I don't want to be the next one. Yeah. And a cabin in the woods seems like a great place to murder someone. What I watched this saying? one movie back in the day. It was like third house from the right or third house on the left or something it was just it was all brutal murder and rape it was horrendous and no offense andrew but that's what i fear for whenever we get invited to your woods party yeah, it's not good not doing it not this close to halloween either man yeah, uh-uh. and you know that this guy's got a gun if you've got a cabin you've got a gun right? yeah yeah and we don't need accidental deaths happening either. we can have a dick cheney moment the scary part is that gun's just for hunting it's the murder room underneath the cabin mm-hmm. that i'm worried about yeah, you guys saw it get out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what if he is looking for <laughs> tremendous radio talent? He's, he's looking to be the athlete that Adam Crowley is. Yes. <laughs> Don't Brian Brian laughs really hard at the notion of me being an athlete. What do you mean? No, I know you're an athlete. You're All the just time. not the kind of athlete that someone would like go through the trouble of kidnapping to like grab your soul, sort of thing. Blake tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. It's the last house on the left with Aaron Paul before Breaking Bad. Made him famous. Aaron Paul was in that? That was a terrible movie. A gr- gratuitous rape scene. You, you don't need that. I mean, all it did was set up the brutal murder at the end. This is the movie I've seen, by the way. Yeah, th- this is the one movie you've seen. I've seen, like, five movies in the course of the last ten years, and one of them was Last House on the Left with Aaron Paul before it was Aaron Paul. This is your problem. Sheesh. It's not that I haven't seen movies. It's the selection of the movies that I do see. What was the last movie you saw? Not to get us grossly off topic here. I saw the Mr. Rogers doc the other day. Yeah, you really liked that, too. I did. The last movie movie that I saw that was not a documentary, because I watched another documentary last weekend about people who got terribly injured overseas in war and then had to come back over here and assimilate. What the hell is wrong with you picking? Yeah. No wonder you don't like movies. Yeah. Everything you're picking is horribly sad and just awful. Yeah, how about like a Sandler every once in a yeah, while? You know, know, maybe Will Ferrell and John C. Uh, Riley, a little oh, something to lighten man. up your day. I mean... Uh, Darkest Hour is the last movie I saw. Again. Dark. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> movies can be fun, too. They don't have to be educational and dark. No, they need to be lots of blood, you know, scary, and I need to feel bad about myself when I leave them. Well, you need to watch a funny movie, dude. Three Billboards was not funny at all. You know, I saw Dallas Buyers Club. I loved the cast. and <laughs> I had the same reaction to that that I had to Rent. To Rent? Rent? Rent was very sad, too. They all got AIDS. In Rent? Yes. Yeah. Really? Is that what that's about? Have you never seen Rent? <laughs> Why do you say it like I should have? No. I've never seen Rent. You should have. It, w- it won so many Tonys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got to see things that win a Tony. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What am I going to do if I don't see a Tony winner? Put the Tony winners right <laughs> at the top of my list during movie watching season. Put the Tony winner? I loved Chicago. How do you even know what a Tony is? Les Mis. Oh, big fan of Les Mis. Jean Valjean. Wicked. Wicked. Oh. oh. 
Cats? Of course I saw Cats. Memory all alone in the moonlight. Is that song from Cats? It is. I never knew that. I, I just thought it was either. a good song. I thought it was like an old Italian song that like somebody sang like a long time ago and people just kept remaking it. That's from Cats. Hamilton? That's good. It's about history. But Hamilton. We know you like your history. Did you see Hamilton? No. Did, why, why are you making that up? I had the soundtrack, though. You just though. said it's good. I had the soundtrack, though. <laughs> it's tough to see because you have to have a lot of money, and I work in radio. Okay, so the moral of this story right here is that you have seen only horribly depressing movies, but you are apparently a Broadway aficionado? Cats is great because it's people dressed like cats... No, I get it. Who act like people. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, and they sing and dance. Someone called up and Tom's face got all red. What happened there? Uh, someone called up and said to tell you to not worry about the bodies on the ground in the cabin, but the snipers in the trees. Huh. That's word for word. What? What? I'm starting to get freaked out here. That Andrew guy replied back with another "ite." So I think that was him. What did he say? "Ite." "Ite." That's all he said. He just said "ite." And I think that that is that's scary. Did we piss him off? Yes. Is he like putting lipstick on right now and writing our names on a list? Bushami style. Like Bushami style. Yeah. Oh, he's probably gonna drag his taint across my face when I'm deceased. Whoa! I'm gonna have to put the lotion on my skin, aren't I? Who says anything about you being deceased before he does that? This guy's going to snail trail us all. Crowley? What happened? Coming up next! The guy, he can't snail trail, can he? I don't know what this guy got having on going on. What he has going on. <laughs> Coming up next, Tim Benz. He's official vampire of the Crowley Show. We'll ask him if that's a good idea. I was supposed to talk about hockey there. Talk about it with Timmy. If, and- Tim, if Tim Benz had a cabin, I wouldn't go to it. I wouldn't go either. No. Drink our blood. It's a Crowley show. Adam Crowley. You don't know any of the lyrics? There are no lyrics. <laughs> but if I had to pick some up, I would probably go with Oh, Chechnya. Oh, Chechnya. I love this freaking country. The Adam Crowley Show. Love that show. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Got a couple of tweets that I want to get to before Tim Benz joins us here on the Crowley Show. Tanner says, the loser of the weekly pick segment has to go to Andrew's creepy cabin in the woods. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> too harsh. It's way too harsh. We'll pierce a belly button. We will eat wasabi. We will wax a chest. We will play in traffic. We will absolutely not no. send anyone alone to that creepy party in the woods. I like how he's thinking. I kind of like that. Well, you are in last. I mean, if you're volunteering, yeah. No, I'm not volunteering. I could still win this thing. David tweets at underscore Adam Crowley, Watch the shape of water. The fisherman eats a cat and has sex with a lady. How does that help? watching that movie. How does that help, David? Refuse to watch that movie. I don't remember the eating a cat scene. Who cares? It's a fishman. Stupid movie. It was pretty good. No, it wasn't. There's a mute woman. 
Although, if she was part lizard, she'd be a, a newt woman. Oh, boy. Tim uh, Benz joins us now. Get in the Benzie. Get in the Benzie. Get in the Benzie. Official vampire of the Crowley Show joins us. Uh, Tim, have you ever been invited by a random person on Twitter to a party in the woods? A random person on Twitter to a party in the woods? No. I've been invited to fight people on Twitter at any location. I haven't taken anybody <laughs> up on that offer yet, but not alone in the woods. Nor have I seen The Shape of Water. You saw this. You, of all people, you who have seen no movies ever, took the time to watch Shape of Water. Well, we've actually come to a realization, Tim, that I've actually seen a lot of movies. They're just not the movies that anybody else has seen. They're just really bad movies, Tim. All the bad ones. Yeah, I can't bring myself to Shape of Water. Like, normally I'm one of these guys who, just for the sake of watching the Oscars, wants to know what's going on and will watch a lot of the Oscars movies. And I had numerous opportunities to either go to Shape of Water or press yes to buy now or rent now on Shape of Water. And just the whole fish man having sex with a regular person concept, it just it didn't do anything for me. It did a lot for me, and it's why my search history is all messed up now. Tim Ben's joining us. Oh, I know where you can on the find Crowley those. Show. Like yes. those kind of movies. Yeah, those I've seen. Yeah, those are fun. Before yeah. we get into hockey or football or any of the fun things you're supposed to do on a sports show, I'm sure you've been recognized a lot in public, Tim. I mean, you've got a distinct look. You've also got a distinct voice. You're a very popular guy. Do people ever offer to buy you drinks, uh, offer to be your friend, even though you don't want to be their friend? Uh, yes, why? Has that happened to you a little bit more regularly of late? Is that what you're saying? The cheese cheese has been that popular, that people are sharing them on Twitter, and now you are being recognized when you go out in public? I've been recognized more in the last month than I have any time in my life. I don't know what that means. Maybe I'm just hanging out with the right people, but... How no. long have you had the show full-time now? Eh, I don't know. Uh, this is show number 294, according to my Word document. Oh, you really do keep track of that? You're kidding me. He does. Yeah. Wow, I never did that. Um, I've had sex 763 times in my life. Tim, judging by your career, you're on show 1,975,864. <laughs> Wait a minute. So Crowley keeps track of his sexual encounters in Word, huh? <laughs> Might yeah. want to update that, Adam. Get a PDF going for that or something. Well, then I can't edit it, so my wife would probably be happy with that. You know what? Like, yeah, I have gotten on. Um, you know, it sounds to me like you were just about the same time where I started to be recognized a little bit more often. And uh, now I've had the advantage of the KDK Sports Showdown for a long time, or anchoring on Channel Four, so that augments it. But I'm impressed, Adam. That just means that the cheese cheeses are really taking off for you. Now you're finding people that are recognizing you by voice. Does that happen a lot? Lately? That has happened a couple of times. Once I was in a bathroom stall. Is that Crowley? The first time it ever happened to me, now I'm going off on a tangent, was at the Pitt-West Virginia basketball game last year. And walking out, I was all jammed up, but I was keeping to myself. And this guy in a Pitt jersey comes up to me, and he's trying to fight me. He goes, I know who you are. You're talking trash on Pitt all the time, man. <laughs> it was terrifying. Yeah, leave it to a Pitt fan to be your first encounter with fame, of course, right? Yeah. Hey, guys, would it be cool if we could t keep talking about people recognizing you and how everybody knows you? Maybe? <laughs> Can we keep going? Uh, uh, Tim and I are popular. Brian? Brian, has that happened to you in Green Tree? Yet? Happens all the time, Tim. I can't <laughs> go into the Audi without being mobbed. <laughs> it's nuts. Tim, what do you make of Mike Sullivan sitting down Oli Mata? Uh, I don't think that it matters which player was sat down. Uh, I just think he needed to do it so that the bad habits they had last year don't begin to 
uh, or don't stick around this year after they have these first couple of games. Yeah, I don't know if he was the single worst defenseman in either game, but maybe he was the worst collectively between the two. Um, I'm very interested to see how Ricola does in a regular season game. I wonder if this is going to be the kind of thing where, you know, we see it all the time with Steelers players, too, that flats in the preseason and they play in a regular season game, and it's like, oh, what do we get so excited about? Uh, with the way that the team is playing, if he has to play catch-up to the rest of the defense um, or on behalf of the defense to try to make it better, that's a big ask right now for one guy because I don't think that the defensive – uh, deficiencies are restricted, A, to the blue line or specifically focused on Mata on the blue line. I think it's well beyond that, but I guess he's – the best way to say this, he's the initial sacrificial lamb, right? Yes. He's the guy that, that for no other reason, um, <laughs> they're just making an example of, out of him. I, I don't think – did you think – what did you think of Dumoulin, for instance, against Montreal? Yeah. Yeah, right. You know, just – but they never sit down Dumoulin, and um, there's this segment of – Penguin fans that just want to see Olimata catch flack for any and all things related to defensive problems. Well, well that's kind of why... Anyway. <laughs> it's funny you say that, Tim, because I do think that there needed to be a sacrificial lamb just so that you could say, or so that Mike Sullivan could say, we're accountable here. You F up, you might get tossed out of the lineup. What I didn't like, though, was that it wound up being modest, so now all the Penguins fans who have been saying forever that he stinks can now say, he stinks so bad he got pulled out. I'll, I'll give you another one. If Jack Johnson wasn't such a hot button signing, you think it might be him that was sat down first? Yeah, I do. Although I thought he was, yeah. I thought he was pretty good in game one. Did you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about throwing all these guys into a bag and then, uh, you know, smacking around with a stick and saying which one comes out first to decide who goes out. And if they want to go with Ruida or Ricola, you know, they got to go right, left, to make the decision. Maybe they just want to look at. Ricola now. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I was impressed with the kid, too, in preseason, but to assume he's going to be a cure-all on behalf of the other five for what they're doing in their own end or what they're doing coming out of their own end, that's just way too big of an ask. Matt Murray's now had three concussions in over uh, a two-year hockey career at the pros, so uh, I think it's time to start freaking out a little bit about that. I mean, concussions for a goalie, I mean, that's something that could just continue to keep reoccurring and reoccurring and reoccurring. First of all, I worry about him personally, but from a team standpoint, uh-oh. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, doesn't it, if we were all focusing on the he had a bad year because he was upset about his dad thing as a convenient excuse for us to not talk about the concussions? Yeah. Um, you know, we upon further review, because we're comfortable with doing it now, especially since he bat, bounced back pretty well in 2007 and certainly with the Super Bowl in 2008 and the Championship in 2010, we are certainly comfortable now with a much more retrospective analysis say that 2006 was largely Ben Roethlisberger's worst year because he's probably playing through like three different concussions that he got, uh, one in Oakland, one in Atlanta, and another because he got hit by a Cadillac. So, you know, like those <laughs> things linger. And um, I think that's what's maybe going on with Murray, too. And uh, I'd be interested to see if uh, we get a little bit more perspective if we uh, stop talking about, the, you know, the, sort of the feel-good or the emotional aspect of this, of uh, Matt triumphing through personal trauma because his dad died and we look at the more pragmatic although scary discussion of is he having issues perhaps because uh, the concussions have been a problem even though we uh, talked about them subsiding due to the fact that he just happened to be playing maybe he wasn't completely over 
Tim Benz, Breakfast with Benz, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, flip it over to the Steelers now, Tim. The offense has a good offensive line, and they hadn't been good really this season because of injuries. Then you come back from injuries, and you got to play together to build that continuity back up. And I thought they played their best game of the season against Atlanta. On defense, they didn't sit back the way they did in the second half against Baltimore, which was one of the most horrendous coaching decisions I've seen in a long time. And instead, they said, let's bring a little bit of fire here. Uh, let's bring guys from the second level. And it wasn't always with blitzes, but rushing for and making it unpredictable who was coming. I think those separate things on each side of the ball can become the identity for this football team. Run the football, utilize your offensive line, and if you're good at one thing on defense, let it please be bringing pressure because everything else kind of leaves you not walking away with a good taste in your mouth. Right, uh, exactly. I agree wholeheartedly on the defensive part. Um, whether it's rushing with four from various places or blitzing a fifth or sixth, I would much rather, much rather have them bring an additional person or two and say we're going to rush with five as opposed to saying we're going to drop seven and cover with our seven guys who can't cover in the first place. Okay, six aside from Joe Aiden. But you know what I mean? Like, that was the mentality that they tried to employ against Baltimore. We can't trust the four or five guys that are normally responsible for covering. So we're going to, tr- we're going to drop two more guys that can't cover just for the sake of having more guys who can't cover cover. <laughs> right. And it, just, it got maddening. I- I'd rather see them do what they did and bring uh, T.J. Watt more often as opposed to dropping him, bring Bud more often as opposed to dropping him, bring whoever is playing inside linebacker and then dropping him. You're 100% right on that. On the offensive line, I agree with you there, too. Uh, by far and away, their very best game of the season. And uh, I don't know how you feel about this, Adam, but one thing I thought about the offensive line was there was a dedication or maybe just an awakening of, hey, we can block like an old-fashioned offensive line from time to time and just surge ahead, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we don't have to jump out to the second level and make that B-level block for Lev. Uh, we don't have to pass block all the time for Ben Roethlisberger as he's throwing 60 times in a game as he did earlier this season, 40 times in a game on average or whatever it's been. Just move forward and push the other guy back and create a small crease for Connor to run behind and eventually through and get through the second level that way instead of playing, you know, Chinese checkers and bouncing out in front to level to level to open up creases for love in the way that they got used to doing. Tim, are we sure that Antonio Brown was throwing things out of the 14th balcony, or was it Ben Roethlisberger throwing things over Antonio Brown's head that wound up near the pool? Adam, I can't throw the ottoman and catch the ottoman myself. (laughs) It was one of the things A.B. threw out a Wi-Fi box, because that would have been (laughs) tremendous. (laughs) Yeah, that's why the connection has been so loud. Uh, He was grumpy in the locker room again today. Like uh, One reporter went up to him and asked him if he wanted to talk about his uh, issues today instead of Friday, and he grumbled no, and he was grumbling by him again today as uh, the guy was talking to Artie Burns. So I, I kind of witnessed that. But, you know, I, I don't know how anybody else feels about this. I, I think the guy's mentally fried at this point. I mean, there's just been a behavioral change. I, I don't know if this is status getting to him. I don't know if Vontez Berfick and Georgia Loka hit him harder than we thought in its early onset CTE. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but he has had a personality transformation in the last year and a half. Um, like, Facebook Live, like, that struck me as fun that went awry because he didn't realize how dumb it was to do. But the stuff 
since then, particularly this offseason moving forward, and even dating back to, like, the Gatorade cooler being thrown in Chicago, uh, sorry, in Baltimore, rather, ever since that point, it's been less, okay, immaturity and more impropriety. And that's where I'm starting to get concerned about A.B. Yeah, I think that's legit, and I had uh, Ray Fittipaldo on uh, last. No, no, it was Jim Wexel yesterday. I can't keep these things straight. I'm, someone's trying to murder me in the woods, Tim. And Jim Wexel came on, and he said, I-, I don't necessarily know if it's a reason for why Antonio Brown hadn't been playing particularly well, but it is an explanation for the way he's been acting. And as for, I think we talked about this too, Tim, as for A.B. and Ben not being on the same page, I put all that really on the quarterback. I think A.B.'s been getting open. Yeah, I don't quite agree as strongly with Matt Williamson, who has really taken that flag and flown it and, in essence, said if it's not 100% Ben Roethlisberger, it's close as to why they've misfired. Uh, I think it might be more 70-30 on Ben. It's definitely been more on Ben. But in the first two games in particular, I didn't see the vast amount of space around A.B. that I'm used to seeing and the huge windows for Roethlisberger to throw to. The first two games, anyway, since then, I think it's definitely been more on Ben when they have this fire. It's been him missing A.B. and not giving him a chance to go get the ball. And uh, you know, I-, I thought that Ben's answer to Mike Pursuta's question on Sunday in the locker room was just asinine when you know it was characterized by Mike as an up-and-down day. And uh, Ben said, I don't know where the downs were. Well, I, I do. They were the first 30 minutes. You know, they, they were your first eight throws to A.B. where only two of them were complete. Those were the ups and downs. And it was mainly down in the first half. And uh, ben, ben has kind of gotten this habit where he's, they lose and he's self-deprecating. And the buck stops here and blame me. And then the next week, uh, you know, he gets kind of he puffs his chest out and makes it sound like it was us that created any questions in the first place. Remember last year it was maybe I don't have any more, and then it turned into well the Cowboys still got a few bullets left. I mean, come on. Um, and and I thought he retreated or regressed back into that line of question and answer on Sunday. Tim, I got to run. Go be with the people, man. I'm driving through the woods right now on the way to South Park. Should I be concerned? Should I be looking for someone? Do you have a description, anything like that? That is exactly how Get Out started. Be careful. Tim, here's how they get you. Do not stop for any cars on the side of the road or any damsels in distress. They'll suck you right in, and you'll be dead within a day. Yeah, I, yeah, I do remember that scene from Get Out. I will try to avoid that. Although I don't think I'm exactly that target demographic, though, Adam. I think you missed the point of that movie. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you spent too much time in the shape of water. You are very athletic, Tim. Oh, well, that you got me there. That's yeah. true. Absolutely, I am. <laughs> See you. Bye. That's Tim Benz, Breakfast with Benz. I wake up with it every morning. Same way I wake up with... Never mind. Coming up next, it's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. And we talk to Bernard Clark, the head coach of the Robert Morris University Colonials. It's the Crowley Show.